Welcome, y'all. This is Feminine Fidelity. My name is Anna. I appreciate you being here. I am your hostess. Uh, at Feminine Fidelity, we are fighting to regain the understanding, the traditional understanding of biblical womanhood. By traditional, I mean getting back beyond the feminist rhetoric. What did the church used to believe about women? And uh, something I want to address today is the notion that women who don't have children are less than. Um, this has been floating around on Twitter. Some ladies there got this idea that probably myself and maybe others uh, by posting about the beauty of uh, motherhood and that God designed women to be wives and mothers and the value of having children. Um, think that they got the idea that we were saying that they were less than if they could not have children. Honey, nothing could be further from the case. God gave you your barrenness for a reason. That doesn't make you less than. That makes you part of God's plan. God gives us all trials to bear. And for you... That may be a trial he has given you. Or maybe he gave it to a friend of yours. Um, my own mother, she lost twins at 20. And she was told then she could not have any more children. And 22 years later, she became pregnant with me. And at first, doctors did not believe it because not only had she lost the twins, but it had been a very, very difficult pregnancy. This was back in the early 40s. And she could not... Um, they did not do a C-section. They let them be born naturally. She was torn up by their birth. She bled for months. She had to have multiple surgeries. They packed her uterus. They scraped her uterus. They cauterized her uterus. And ultimately, she had to have her tubes tied. And she was told she would never have a baby. She could not conceive. She could not carry a child. She could never birth a child. All of it was deemed medically impossible. And yet, 22 years later, I was born. And <laughs> she desperately wanted other children, but God said no. Was she less than during all those years when she could not conceive a child? Of course not. My mother was... One of the most amazing women I have ever known. She introduced me to Christ. She 
was an example of make and do with what you can do and striving for better while just being joyful for what you have. She, after her father died, she had supported her mother and uh, two siblings because there was no one else to do it. Um, and her mother could not get a job. Um, back at that time, they deemed her too old, even though she was just in her 40s. But my mother was a caring woman who took care of others. When I was little, I was desperately ill. She took care of me. She was told to prepare for my death on a number of occasions. And she put on a brave face and kept fighting. And she kept me alive. But during those period, that long period, when she could not have a child, when she believed she would never have a child, she was just as much a woman, just as much a good woman, and just as valuable as she was when she finally had me, or for the very brief time she had my brothers. So this idea, if I held to that idea, I would have to hold it for my own mother, and that would be ridiculous. I've known other ladies who couldn't have any children, who struggled to have a child, who had to adopt a child, who never was able to adopt a child. We have a friend who had never been able to get married, and she's recently uh, found someone she loves but they're older and she has some medical issues. She'll likely never have a child. But she's a truly godly woman and an example to all the younger ladies in her life. And I would never, ever judge her as less valuable because she might not be able to conceive one day. So, I'm sorry that if anyone has gotten the idea that by posting on Twitter or Facebook or on my blog or talking about it on my podcast that I deem women who cannot conceive in the same way I would deem or view women who refuse to conceive or who kill their children. This is ridiculous. Women who cannot have children. It's not your choice. It's not your fault. It's not your desire. And it doesn't make you less than. And you need to understand this. And neither I nor other women or men within the Reformed community believe you to be less than because you haven't been able to have a child. And I would never see you that way. 
I do not like having to give an exception for everything I try to teach. However, for instance, I talk a lot about a wife's duties to her family and how to find a godly man, how to marry a godly man who will lead you well and how to submit to him. My husband was abusive and he was unfaithful. I am not less than because I didn't have the kind of marriage that I post about, that I see in scripture. I am not less valuable as a wife because my husband valued me less. What matters is how God values me. And what matters and ought to matter to you if you cannot bear a child is how God values you, how he sees you. It is the Lord who opens and closes the womb. And just like in everything he does, Christian, he does this for his glory. And somehow he will use this barrenness in you or your friend or your family member for his glory, for your good, to make you more Christ-like, to draw you to him, to make you more dependent upon him, to purify you, to make you desire only him. He will use it for the good of his church, the furtherance of his kingdom. Nothing is wasted in our Lord's economy, nothing. He has used the pain in my marriage, which fell apart after 33 years. And I miss being a wife. I miss being, well, I'm still married. I haven't divorced. But I miss being a wife. I haven't lived with my husband since 2019. And the details really are not important. But I have a biblical right to divorce. God sees me as the innocent party. And I could divorce. I could remarry. I haven't. Mainly for some personal reasons at first. And then also some financial reasons. I didn't want to put my children through more. And then ultimately I haven't had the money. Because we've had too many other things to deal with. And that's okay. But I'm still, I'm, I rest in God's evaluation of me. And you should rest in God's evaluation of you. Do I wish I could have had a godly, Christ-centered marriage? Absolutely. Do you wish that you could hold a baby in your arms that is yours? Yes. Those are good, God-given wishes. But we must also be content with what God chooses to do.
whether it is to open the womb or whether it is to redeem a marriage or not. He does not always give us the desires of our heart. He gives us the desires of his heart. We must pray for our will to be his. And it does me no good. It would do me no good to look around at all the women I know who have wonderfully happy marriages to a truly godly man. It would do me no good to go, but what about me? I was abused. I was ultimately abandoned. He was unfaithful. What about that? Does this make me less than? Are you looking down on me? No, that would, that would not serve anyone. Honey, nobody is looking down on you. I, I lost five babies to miscarriage. I know the pain of loss. I have some children who have turned their back on God and ultimately on me because of my husband's efforts and his family's efforts. And I don't want to go any further into that right now, but it's, it's happened. I live with the pain of that loss. So while I love all of my children very much, there are some who don't love me like they are called to. So should I look around at women who have families who are completely happy and go, well, what about me? Am I less than? No. We can't judge our circumstances by other people's. We cannot look at the happiness of others and go, well, I'm not happy because of this. We have to turn it to God. We have to look Godward and say, Father, whatever your hand has given me, thank you. And whatever it has withheld, thank you for using it for my good. The pain and sorrow is real. I understand loss so much. I do. But we cannot expect that every single time that I or someone else writes about some issue, we have to give the exceptions to it. When I write about God calls women to be homemakers, per Titus 2, 3 through 5, but what about the exceptions? What about the women who can't work? I mean, who have to work, sorry, who have to work because they've been abandoned, they've never married, they've, their husband is disabled. What about them? Yeah, it's fine to ask the question. It is not fine to look for an excuse to bring it up every single time. Yes, there are exceptions. My mother worked during the first several years of my life. She had me being taken care of by a wonderful lady whom I called Grandma Sullivan. And 
She was a wonderful, sweet, old woman that I cherished. But when I was five, my mother quit. She came home. Her health was failing. She came home. And she set up a seamstress business in our home. My mother was the best seamstress I have ever seen, hands down. And she could make anything from a tailored man's suit to wedding gown and everything in between. The only thing she wouldn't make was little children's clothes, tiny, like baby clothes, toddler clothes, and doll clothes. She would not make those. She said they were too tedious for her. But she could make anything. And she could do other crafts. She was an amazing woman. Very, very gifted. And um, But she came home, and I valued that time with her in her home. But there, were time, there was times before that where when we were on the run from my abusive father, she had to work. And she would take whatever job she could get. Because my father wouldn't work very often, or he'd run off on us, or he'd take all her money. He'd stole her car. He would even go into her job and get her fired, even though he wouldn't work himself. He would gamble away our food money. He did horrible things. And yet, she kept on trying. And she'd go from job to job because she had a child that had to be taken care of, and there was nobody else stepping up and going, let me help. Do I fault her for working? No, I would have faulted her had she not tried. She did her best. She had an excuse, an exception to why she worked. And so, yes, there are exceptions. There's exceptions to many things. Okay, there really, really are. And I understand that. I have dealt with a lot in my life. I've been chronically ill my whole life. I've nearly died so many times I can't even remember. And it just seems that I go from thing to thing to thing physically. And I never quite get there. And... I don't understand people that are healthy. I have never had good health, ever, not ever, my entire life. But I value health. I've taught my children to eat healthy, to take their supplements, to get out in the sun, to drink enough water, to exercise, and not to get out in the sun, to lay in the sun, but to get their natural vitamin D. I've taught them to work hard and get strength in their bodies. I've taught them how to care for their health naturally. And some of them have some health issues. I have a daughter who is spina bifida occulta. I have Another daughter who catches everything that goes along. In fact, all three of my daughters are prone to some pretty nasty health issues every now and then. 
None of them have come down to the level I am at. None of them. Praise the Lord for that. But had they, their lives would be no less valuable than their hardiest brother who hardly ever, ever gets sick. I have several boys who hardly ever catch anything. And so you're not valued less because you're chronically ill like me. You're not valued less in my estimation over someone who is perfectly healthy. And you're not valued less if your husband or your wife walks out on you, mistreats you, abuses you, abandons you, commits adultery, or is unfaithful, uses pornography. That doesn't make you less valuable. It is a mark on them. It doesn't make you, ladies, less valuable. If you cannot have a child, it would make you a monster if you destroyed a child in your womb. And I would call you unwise if you married and delayed and delayed and delayed getting pregnant because that's not what Scripture calls us to. But it is not the same thing as not being able to have a child. You are just as valuable for not being able to have one as a woman who has many. And I have striven and taught my children the truth about God's word and the fact that some have turned from it. That's an act of the Holy Spirit to draw them to him, to God. I cannot play the Holy Spirit, and I refuse to try. I pray daily for the salvation of my children. I pray constantly for the salvation of many people's children that I know of personally or I know of online who are heartbroken because their children or their grandchildren have either turned from Christ or have yet to be converted, I pray. But that is the Holy Spirit's job to draw them near. And I pray that God will answer my prayers and the prayers of so many others, that our children will be saved. And I pray, I pray very often, if I know a lady is struggling with infertility, I pray for her, that God might grant her a child. But it's just as important that you pray for contentment and trust his will for you and trust the love of your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not saying there's not somebody out there who is off their rocker theologically who might look down on someone for some of these reasons. We know that there's people out there who believe you're not a good Christian if you have health issues. But that we also know that person's ridiculous. Okay, so you should look at this in the same way. If someone looks down on you for this, they are ridiculous. They're not worth your time. But those of us who are truly in Christ, who understand that you have not been able to have a child, I don't look down on you, even though I will champion 
the biblical position of God designed women to be wives and mothers. And every woman, I believe, if you are truly seeking after God's will, you're going to mother something and someone, whether you are a mother yourself or not. We are designed to be nurturers, ladies. We are. <laughs> you're going to nurture your sister. You're going to nurture your friend. You're going to nurture the old ladies in your congregation. You're going to take care of other people by taking them casseroles or by going and singing to them or reading to them or doing their housework or running their errands. You're going to find someone to nurture because it is in your DNA. It is the way God designed women. We mother, we nurture, we comfort, we care. And you're going to want to nurture someone. Okay, you're going to want to. And it's okay to love on other people's babies, even if you can't have your own. It's okay to have a pet that you love and adore and are extremely attached to. That doesn't make you the crazy cat mom. It makes you someone who doesn't have a child who pours out your love on what you have in your home. And as long as you don't stop there, but you pour out your love on your husband, you pour out your love on your church, you pour out your love on other things, there's nothing wrong with loving a pet too. Even loving it a whole lot. Growing up, I was extremely attached to my little dog, Toy. I had her for 15 years. Toy was my best friend. And she was my sister. That's the way I saw her. And when we were running from my dad, and when other bad things happened, or when I was so sick, my dog was there. She let me hold her and crying to her fur, and she never left my side. And I miss that dog to this day, even though she died when I was 18. And I just turned 59 today. So it's been a long time. I miss Toy. And I pray that one day I'll see her again. But that's in God's hands, too. Ladies, we have got to trust God's design. And we need to trust our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I will say this, that there is a lot of people in Christ who don't care for the body as they ought to. Believe me, I know. I know. I could not get anybody within the church to help me when I was struggling so much with my husband and children, I begged for a man to nurture my boys, to mentor them, to take them on, not nurture, but mentor. Sorry, we've got women on the run. For men to mentor my boys, to take them under their wings, and to teach them what it meant to be a man, I begged. 
Okay, and let me tell you this. I was born in the Church of Christ. I am now a Reformed Baptist. I've been Reformed quite a few years, a long time now. And, um, but I haven't always been able to attend a Reformed church. I've had to attend whatever church I could find. My husband used to move us around all the time. And so I was in a lot of different churches. And out of all the churches we attended, the only pastor that ever really showed care and concern on a personal basis was a Reformed Anglican pastor. And he was not only our pastor, but a good friend to our family. And he went out of his way to help us and to check in on us and to care for us. And I've been in a member of two Reformed Presbyterian churches. I've been in multiple Reformed Baptist churches. And I haven't seen, I haven't seen the kind of care anywhere that that Anglican pastor gave us. And that's a shame. Because it should not have just been one man who reached out to our family that way. When I went to these others and I begged them for someone within the church to mentor my boys, they should have bent over backwards to find someone, especially knowing our circumstances, because they knew my husband. But nobody would do it. And so I can believe that there are people out there who have treated you harshly and have not shown the care and concern they ought to have. And that's wrong and that's on them. So that yes, there is a lot of room in the reform community and in the community of God. Otherwise, for loving our neighbor as ourselves and to love one another as Christ has loved us. There is a lot of room for that. And for improvement in those areas. And I pray for that. And if you've run into the people who've been harsh and cruel towards you and who've made you cry or who have not listened who have broken your heart, who have turned away in your hour of darkness or need or concern. That ought to be ashamed, and that's on them. That doesn't change God's love for you. It doesn't change Christ's loving compassion for you. And it doesn't change the fact that there's a lot of us out there who love you desperately, who love you dearly, and who, if we were there with you, would love to put an arm around you. Put an arm around you and hug you dearly. And help you. To sit with you and let you cry on our shoulders. And there might be other times we might cry on yours. Because we need one another, ladies. We really do. So if somebody is listening who has not 
loved a sister who was hurting because she was infertile or because she keeps miscarrying and cannot carry a child or because she lost a child in stillbirth or at birth or soon after birth and she aches over that be there for them repent if you haven't been and be there for them and if you're someone who might have been harsh and not made them feel important rectify that but ladies i would dare say most of us it's not even crossed our mind that you're somehow less than because you're not you are exactly what god created you to be and if he created you to to conceive but never be able to carry and deliver a healthy child my heart aches for you but for whatever reason this is what god had for you and you're not less valuable because of it God says in his word that he comforts us so that we might be comforters to others. That with the comfort he comforts us, we might comfort others. And so ladies, whatever you've learned in your hours of pain and darkness, aching over the child you've never had, you could never conceive or you could never carry long enough to give birth to a viable, healthy child? Turn that Godward. Turn it Godward and let him use it for his glory to comfort your other sisters who are going through the same thing. And use it to let him draw you ever nearer to him, to make you more dependent upon him, to make you more Christ-like, and to help others to see the need to be kind. But don't always expect that every single time I or someone else addresses motherhood that we have to make an exception to accommodate you. Okay, because I am speaking about the godliness of women who choose to follow God's creation design for women to marry, to submit, to raise up babies for his glory, to be homemakers, and so on. It doesn't make you less valuable. For me to talk about what God does in marriage doesn't make less valuable those ladies who haven't been able to marry because God hasn't given them someone. It doesn't make me less valuable because of the way my husband treated me. Our value is in Christ. And God has, God uses broken people. He uses little people. 
insignificant people, people that others overlook. So let him use you. Let God comfort you. And let us love on you. And whatever pain it is you're living with, whether it is something like infertility or miscarriage, whether it is you never got married, you want to but you can't find someone, whether it is some shattered dream, maybe it's a broken family in whatever way, maybe it's chronic health issues, maybe it's a husband that's walked down on you, committed adultery or anything else, maybe your husband abused you, let Christ comfort you and use this pain. Use it by His grace for His glory. And just know, please know, that because I don't address the exceptions every single time does not mean I don't know they exist. I know very well they exist. Okay, because I've lived, my whole life has been an exception to the rule. Because of the way my father was, and ultimately my mother, as much as I loved her, as ultimately, she had some major issues as I was growing up later. Not early, but much later. And they didn't, they didn't go away. And she just got worse. She had some mental health issues. And as she got older, she could be so cruel. And the last time I talked to her on the phone, she told me how evil I was and how much I hated her. And I know. I know it was because she wasn't thinking right. And I hurt over that. I ache over that. I ache over the years of that. So I, my relationship with both of my parents was never normal. And I've lived in poverty more than I've lived with enough. And I've never had more than enough. Not for more than a brief period of a couple of weeks here and there. Um... I know how to stretch a penny till it screams, though. And, but when you've had no one in your life, uh, no husband, no father, to be the provider, you you end up with some generational poverty and issues. And, and we did. We did. And there's nothing I can do about that except say, thank you, Lord, for being my provider. But I don't look down on women who had enough and I don't think I was less than because I didn't have enough. Again, there's exceptions. They don't define the rule. But if you are the exception, I've been the exception in most ways. Again, I was chronically ill. Again, I married an abusive, unfaithful man and I didn't know it. And so many other things. You know what? God's hand was in it all. God's hand is in your infertility. And I trust my Lord, and you can trust your Lord. He loves you. 
If he has redeemed you, you are his. Nothing can snatch you out of his hand, and nothing can change his love for you or the fact that he died for you. So pray to see yourself through his eyes and pray to not be so hurt and pray to not feel that people are looking down on you because really, honey, nobody is. I mean, you might have run into some people in the church who didn't know how to handle it. As I said, I certainly did. I don't think those men that did not mentor my sons, I don't think they were trying to be cruel. I don't say that they are not Christians. They didn't know how to handle things. And that was wrong. They should have stepped up. And if someone has done something to you that was wrong on them and they should repent. But you don't get your value from them. And just remember this. You are loved by Christ. And if you are loved by Christ, then the body ought to love you too. And the fact that some of us fail too sometimes doesn't mean that you're less valuable. And if you are the exception to the rule, just know that God chose you for that for a reason. He has his hand on you. And please do not take offense at this, but don't expect that every Mother's Day people are going to make exceptions to wishing their own mothers and other mothers Happy Mother's Day and go, oh, and by the way, for all the women who can't, Celebrate your own mother. Try so hard not to focus on your own pain. It's hard. I know it can be hard. But turn that pain to Jesus. He knows what to do with it. And don't take offense at this, but don't expect everybody to make an exception every time they teach about godly womanhood and marriage and family, and the importance of reclaiming this. Ladies, we have given so much over to the feminist agenda and to secularism. We need to champion getting married, raising up children to the glory of God, establishing homes, and taking dominion within this area. We need to fight back with everything within us against the feminist against the secularist, against others who hate God and his design. So don't expect us to take time every single time we're writing or talking about something and go, oh yeah, and there, of course there's this exception, and oh yeah, and there's that exception. Understand that we acknowledge that there are exceptions and that we're not talking down to you or looking down on you if you are the exception. I would be looking down on myself. I would be looking down on my mother if I truly believed what I have been told by some of y'all that I believe. So it's simply not true. I don't look down on anyone who can't have a baby or who can't carry that baby. 
or who can't get pregnant or whose babies died. I don't look down on any of you. I love you and I ache for you. So I just want you to know you're loved. And just because we don't address the exceptions all the time doesn't mean we don't know they exist. We do. And just remember, God has his hands on you. And for whatever reason, he chose you for this. He chose you to be the mother of those little ones who never saw daylight. And prayerfully, you'll reunite with one day. He chose you to be the mother of that stillborn. He chose you to be the woman who tried and tried and tried but never could conceive. He chose you. Out of his great love and mercy, he chose you. And there is a reason for it, and you can trust it. You can trust him. I love you, ladies, and I pray for y'all. I really do. And I'm going to continue to pray. And if somebody wants to talk to me about some of this, just reach out to me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Gab. I've got my blog. My blog is Femina Sola Gratia. You can message me through the podcast, too. And uh, thank you for listening. Um, consider becoming a patron or a supporter through a one-time donation or better still, just pray for me. Your prayers are greatly appreciated. And, you know, please share this with anyone that you think might value it, might benefit from it, or share some of my other episodes. Share my blog, Femina Soligradia. If you... Have a question, comment, reach out, let me know. I love interacting with y'all. Or if you just want to tell me you think I'm full of (laughs) baloney with this and why you think that, let me know. I love y'all and I want to hear from you. But like I said, if you can support this blog, uh, Feminisola Gradia and my podcast here, Feminine Fidelity and my efforts uh, teaching online, please do. Uh, You can find a financial statement page on my blog. Uh, I I think I've got the links up at uh, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, anyway, I love y'all. Please take this to heart because I'm not looking down on you. I love you. And um, I'll let y'all go. And remember, until next time, do all that you do for the glory of God. Bye-bye, y'all.